Well, it's a busy time for our next guest. He is pitching coach of the Toronto Blue Jays, Pete Walker. I don't want to waste any time. Let's get right to it. Pete, thanks for joining us on Blair and Barker. Look, the uh, I will get right into it. I mean, the pitching staff was the strongest part of the Blue Jays last season. I don't think that's any mystery. Uh, the starting rotation was the kind of rotation that can carry a team through the playoffs. I mean, you look at the statistics, that bears it out. So I'm going to throw out a real easy question at the start here. Can it get better in 2024? You know what? I, I obviously I, I feel it can. Um, I, I look back at last year, guys, and, and thanks for having me on. Obviously, but uh, I look back at last year and I thought, you know, we got off to a little bit of a slow start um, coming out of spring, and just looking at the amount of walks and, and things of that nature. Uh, so, you know, when you look back at a season like that, there's always a little, you know, there's peaks and valleys. And obviously, we finished very strong. Um, you know, we're definitely one of the better staffs in the league, and in and, and a lot of categories. So, you know. Building off of that, I think the biggest thing is with guys coming in, our message will be, you know, we're not we're not going to be complacent. And I think, you know, so far with the guys that I've seen, the work ethic, the things that they put into this offseason, they're, they're looking to build off of that um, and become an elite staff. And so, it, uh, yeah, it was it was a really good year, and we can get better. I mean, I look at Kikuchi, look at Barrios, look at guys like that, that, you know, looking at this time last year, we were still trying to search search some things out and figure some things out. And this year they're coming in in a, in a much better place. So I'm excited about it, really excited about it. Uh, Petey, it sure seemed like last year that, you know, you guys made a real point of emphasis to pitch a little bit more down in the zone. Uh, I, I yeah. think if I noticed that, probably teams that you guys are facing this year probably notice that and make adjustments. Do you feel like you have to counter that? Uh, you know, maybe mix it yeah. up, add a little tri- – I don't want to – trickery probably sort of yeah. the wrong word, but I would say maybe establish something else around the zone maybe other than pitching down in the zone. How do you go about that? Yeah, you know, Kev, it's it's basically adjustments, right? But right now, we, we kind of have a plan with some of our guys. We're going to continue to utilize certain parts of the zone, and down is one of them. You know, I think it's something that in baseball, you know, you've seen a little bit more as of late. I know we were we were adamant about some guys get, pitching uh, down in the zone at certain points of the count, um, certainly to get swings on the guys with the split-finger fastballs and the off-speed pitches that we need swings on. Uh, when they start taking those pitches consistently and know what their approach is on the offensive side, so... Um, as pitchers, yeah, we're, we're evolving, we're adjusting, and, you know, we'll just kind of, you know, it's one of those things, you, you, you play it by ear, you have a plan, but you're able to adjust. But I think the biggest thing is we want our guys to be able to pitch, you know, at the top of the zone and the bottom. And I think, you know, that kind of uh, balances it out and, and uh, you know, equals it out as far as from a hitting standpoint. How about, Petey, how about workload going into spring training? You know, you got a 33-year-old in Gosman. You got a 35-year-old in Bassett. Now, obviously, it's just a number because of how good these guys take care of themselves. But you guys were fifth in baseball in innings pitched last last year as a rotation. Any thought, any worry about workload, especially early in the year, you know, weather and and age and how much this rotation means, right? I mean, it's just sort of a trickle-down effect is when you're getting innings, quality will come along with that because of who's throwing the baseball. Is there any worry about workload, especially early in the season? I don't know if it's worry. I mean, obviously, as, as pitchers get a little bit older, you got to be conscious of certain things. Um, I mean, uh, again, communication's always been a strong point of ours. And, and as far as, you know, talking to players, obviously training staff involvement, 
Uh, so, you know, I, I do think there's a couple guys, yeah, they're getting, I guess they're getting up there in age. I don't look at it that way. Um, I look at their, their, you know, basically their body, their body type, uh, how they bounce back, their resiliency. And as long as we're seeing really good things, I mean, we'll continue to throw these guys out there. Um, you know, we were very fortunate last year. You know, when you look at our starters, uh, or especially the top four guys there and the, inning, the amount of innings that they threw, if we could do that again, it'd be fantastic. You know, our, our goal is to have five guys throw 200 innings each. I mean, when you think about it, but the, realistically, we know that's not going to happen. So you build depth, you have quality arms behind those guys. If we got to, you know, if we got to mix in a spot start here and there to give them a breather, we'll do it. Um, but these guys are, they're workhorses. And, you know, and, you know, the Chris Bassett's, Kevin Gossman's, Jose Barrios, Kikuchi, I mean, they want they want the ball and they want to be out there every five days. So, you know, obviously there's there's some numbers out there, you know, with the added rest certainly helps certain guys. So we're, we're conscious of that. And I think this year we'll do a good job of, you know, managing that. But, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously, you know, workload's important. We want to make sure, you know, we... <laughs> It's always tough to repeat what you did the previous year when it when it's kind of successful and you know you've got guys that pitched uh, deep into games and, and pitched a lot of innings. But we feel like our strength program and these guys' off-season work is is really top-notch. So I'm I'm excited about like I said, seeing these guys already down here, um, watching Kikuchi, watching Barrios. I mean, they are they're they're ahead of where we used to be back in the day. That's for <laughs> sure. So. Um, but but I'm excited about it. I, I really think we can, we can get better as a staff. And I know we're talking about the rotation, but that bullpen is, is I feel, is loaded too. Uh, have you seen or spoken to Alec Manoa yet? And I'm just wondering where he's at physically and mentally and, yeah. and, and what your expectations are for him in 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited about him. Obviously, last year didn't go well uh, for a lot of reasons. and uh, But this year, I look at his offseason work. Uh, the plan that he had going into the off season, he's carried out. Um, he looks fantastic. I think you know he's going to be on a mission this year. You have a year like he did previous year. You come back and, and last year goes that way. Obviously, it's it's in our it's in our uh, DNA as players to to want to compete and be back to what we were. So um, I expect him to be good. Uh, we we've talked quite a bit. He sent a lot of video, uh, a lot of clips of himself throwing. Um, you know, and and again, I'm excited for him. Uh, you know. It's, it's crazy from one year to the, the next, but in this game, it, you know, it humbles you quick. It humbles all of us at, some, at one point or another, and you, you, you kind of wake up and realize what you got to do to stay consistent. And, again, that's the message to our entire staff. Uh, you know, even in the minor leagues, you, you get complacent, you get burned. And, and in this game, we want guys coming in and staying hungry, staying passionate, and uh, being at, the be- at their best, you know, and, and physically, uh, emotionally, mentally, I should say, and, and having a good game plan. And, and I think those are the things that really uh, make a difference. Man, I mean, I don't want to jinx him or anything, but Pete, if Alec Manoa is anything close to what he was two years ago, I mean, that almost answers your questions about workload for guys like Gossman and Bassett in some ways, doesn't it? Oh, certainly. There's no doubt, you know, to get, I mean, he, he's, he, he has the capability of being a workhorse and, and, and getting deep into games. And we've seen that. So, I mean, we've seen it once, you know, I expect to see it twice and, and hopefully a lot more than that. Petey, I know, you know, explain to people that, you know, don't know pitching the way, you know, and, and there's a lot of investment with fans when it comes to Alec Manoa, 
but when they first see yeah. him in spring training, is there something that they should be looking at, whether it be velocity? Is that a big deal for you? Is it location? Is it movement? Is it the way he looks? Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal, right? I mean, that's sort of everybody. Everybody yeah. talks about Vladdy. The very first thing everybody wants to talk about is optics. Yeah, the what, How's he look? Yeah. What, what, what would go into it yeah, if it you're great. talking to a fan? You know, that's invested yeah. in Alec Manoa and want to see the best out of Alec. Is there is there something they should be honing in on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's in uh, general terms, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's strike during ability. It's the, it's the break on his, his slider, I think, his breaking ball, the sharpness of it, uh, the arm slot. I know it's tough for the, the, <laughs> the fans to notice that, but that's yeah. certainly something we're looking for. Um, the shape of the breaking ball, uh, velo. Yeah, velo is important. You know, if he's if he's in that in those low 90s out of the shoot, obviously he's at a good place. Um, his ball, his fastball plays up. He doesn't have to be 97, 98 by any means. But to see consistently in the in the low 90s in spring would be great. Touching, you know, getting up into the mid 90s occasionally. Um, and but I, I, the biggest thing with him last year was just that that tempo down the mound and and his his bounce around the mound. To be honest with you, how he's feeling, how he's moving. Um, we just want to see all those positive signs again that we've seen in the past, and, and I expect to see it. I mean, I, I have no doubt to be honest, personally. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot, you know there's doubters out there, mm-hmm. and that's that's the way it goes in this game. But I, I know the guy. I know Alec very well. I know the passion. I know the, the dedication this off season and the will to be good or the will to be great. <laughs> you know, not everybody has that. Yeah. So I, I expect, I expect that you bounce back from him and, and, you know, and again, we, we still have to have depth. I mean, we have other guys, we got Bowden Francis, uh, who looks fantastic. And it is for me as a major league pitcher, uh, Mitch White bounced back at the end of last season. Um, you know, obviously Yario Rodriguez and Tiedemann knocking on the door. So we're, we're in a good place. Um, but there is, it's competition. Guys got to be good. They got to be good. Uh, how, how likely is it that Yariel Rodriguez gets stretched out enough in spring training to make the team? And 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 you know, I guess a, a lot of this depends, frankly, right on the on the composition of the rotation. You may, frankly, you may not need him to make the team as a as a as a starter. Uh, could could you see a, a way of him breaking camp with the team as a reliever? Yeah, I guess you never know. We're we're still working through his plan. To be honest, we've had a number of discussions already. Um, he's, he's just getting into camp here, I think, in the next couple of days. Um, I haven't laid eyes on him yet. I haven't watched him throw a side yet. Um, obviously, we have video, and our scouts are uh, ecstatic about where he is. And, and, and you know, Uriel is, is, is saying all the right things as far as what kind of work he's been putting in from a throwing program standpoint. But we'll have to build him up. We'll definitely stretch him out a little bit in spring training, you know, as, as, as much as we can. Uh, so we get a good look at him and then, you know, kind of see how it plays out with everybody else. Uh, you know, injury free. There's no setbacks with anybody. Um, we'll just have to weigh that when it comes. But, you know, you know how spring training goes. There's always a, a couple of bumps and bruises, but you want to try to have as many guys ready as possible. So we'll give him the ball. We'll get a chance to look at him. And But, he, you know, he also hasn't thrown a lot in the last right. year or at all. So, <laughs> so, you know, and he is going to be here for a while. So we're certainly not going to rush him. Uh, you know, put the cart before the horse with him and just, you know, make sure that he is, when he is ready, he's ready to help us out. Hey, Pete, what would be a good spring for Ricky Tiedemann? And, and do we need to pump the brakes in him a little bit? Just simply, I'm talking about us in the media and yeah. fans, yeah. just simply yeah. because he hasn't thrown a lot of Great innings. Question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that, but again, that's hard to do. You see a guy with that kind of ability and, and, you know, again, 15, 20 years ago, he'd probably be in a rotation right now. But it's, it's just done differently now and, and certainly want to make sure we do what's right for him. Um, 
uh, and make sure that he's ready when the time comes. So, again, he's going to get the ball this spring. Uh, he's feeling great. He looked, again, another guy that looks unbelievable uh, to, the, to, the, to the naked eye, you know, watching him. And, and so I'm, I'm really excited about watching him pitching some games down here, get some good competition. And, again, you know, yeah, I think pumping the brakes is a good idea. But again, I you know I'm sure we will see him sometime soon in Toronto, and and but I'm excited to get him uh, some innings in spring training and, and be able to watch him work a little bit. Peter, you talk about putting the car before the horse. Hey, uh, look, that's our job. Every time you're going to come on with us, every, every once every yeah. once in a while, I'll but, let you uh, figure out who the horse is well, of the two and which part of the horse <laughs> we're talking about. Well, I'm I'm going to do this because this is a nice little shiny toy in in Chad Green. This is they'll be the first full oh, season yeah. and the end of the season with Jordan Ramon. Obviously, he's had a lot of success, but, you know, is by committee that ninth inning, right, last year with Hicks and, you know, just stuff-wise, Chad Green brings something. Like, it's a nice little toy, done it in Yankee Stadium, done it in the East. You know, he's got some stuff going. Is it important to, you know, have sort of that set ninth inning or sort of with the names that you have, with the stuff that you have down there, with the rotation, more importantly, that you have, does it matter? I mean, does it matter who the ninth inning guy is, especially early in the season? I don't, I don't think it matters. But obviously, you know, Jordan Romano is really good at that. Yeah. So, so that's a good thing. Uh, but we certainly, it's nice to have other options, especially, like you said, early in the season or at times of the season when, you know, maybe Jordan gets a little too much work. Uh, but to have a guy like Chad Green, um, I know Yimmy Garcia, it's, it's funny because, you know, you do read certain things throughout the course of the year. So people are a little down on him last year for parts of the year. This guy's a horse. And, and I, again, I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year numbers wise. Um, I thought he was still very good for us and we still trust him. Uh, but Chad Green is certainly a guy that is going to be a big, big help. And, uh, uh, you know, someone that we're going to rely on. Um, for to pitch big innings for us. I'm glad we're talking about the bullpen a little bit because they are certainly, you know, I think in baseball a little underrated, but the addition of Chad Green, Romano, Yimmy, uh, Cabrera, Meza, I mean, there are some, there are some legitimate late-inning relievers down there. Uh, so we do have some good options. And, again, that hopefully we don't want to put too pr- much pressure on them early. You know, the starters, we still want to get deep, but it's nice to have a bullpen that can that can that can come in in, in critical innings and, and get big outs. Petey, swing and miss is a big deal. I, I don't have to tell you that, especially in the American League East, especially with the record you guys had in the American League East last year. It's going to be important occasionally to get that swing and miss. It make it easier when you have the rotation you have to sort of change the mindset of. You know, when that guy comes out of the pen, I understand strike one's very important, but occasionally you can stuff dudes to death, right? If you got a really great secondary pitch, abuse that yeah. thing. Is that is that sort of yeah. the mindset if you got a rotation that you guys got? And is that conversation that you would ever have with whoever you have them down there that no matter if you're lefty, no matter if you're righty, if you got a great secondary pitch, abuse that thing and get a strikeout for us. Yeah, I mean, obviously strikeouts are huge. Again, I think early in the year, I think our strikeouts were decent. Walks were up, so we weren't too happy with that. And I think we finished up, especially the second half of the season, with with good strikeout numbers uh, to walk ratio. But obviously we want guys – we want guys coming and getting outs, number one. We don't want them to focus too much on the punch out. Uh, they usually come. But I agree, the stuff, if, if we have guys with stuff, we certainly want to utilize certain pitches, um, their out pitches, to, to get those big outs and get them out quick. Um, I, I certainly don't mind weak contact. 
you know, I know, uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things that the strikeouts are, are a big deal in, the, in bullpens. But, you know, uh, a guy that can come in and just blow blow somebody up or get it on the ground, too, uh, can certainly be important. So I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to just uh, glorify the strikeout. But certainly it's it's nice to have those guys in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning to come in with two guys on and, and know that you have a really good chance to punch somebody out with a, with a great secondary pitch or, or even just that fastball like Chad Green has. Um, and and that's that's a luxury, and I, I don't think we've had that uh, too many years uh, as far as the depth the depth that we have in the bullpen. When you got five, six, seven guys that can come in and do that, you know. And again, another guy, Swanson, we didn't even mention, um, uh, is just a tremendous reliever that can is is okay coming in in the fifth or sixth inning to get out of a jam. And again, it's not just the the last guy in the bullpen pitching those early innings in a game anymore. It's it's some of your best relievers coming in to get out of a jam in the fifth or sixth. Yeah, options make you guys look like geniuses for sure. The last one before I let you go. Every every player has a goal before the season starts. You know, for me, it was 270, 30, and 100. Do, do you as a pitching coach every single year set goals for yourself? Uh, you know what? Not really. I think initially I did, and then I that's just it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but I think as a staff we do. Obviously, I think you know when we look at just a couple of things that really stand out. I mean, I, I think that the whip you know is underrated. Just the, the walks and hits per inning. You know, we like to keep that real low and be elite. Um, you know, our, our strikeout to walk ratio I think is is really really important. Um, you know, if, as a staff, if we can be in the in the top end of the, the uh, uh, pitching pitchers in baseball, staffs in baseball, and walks allowed, I think that is extremely critical. Um, and I think usually if you can minimize your walks, you're going to be in a lot of games. You're not going to give away runs. You're going to, your pitchers are going to be pitching in better uh, situations for sure. So that's something that we stress every spring, and that's a that's a huge goal of ours is to be kind of a, a league leader uh, as a staff in that category. Um, and again, I, you know, I just think as a group, I mean, I know, you know, from an ERA standpoint, the staff had a great year last year, um, had um, almost led the league, uh, the American and National League as well. Um, so I, I just think this year, again, it's about not being complacent, uh, guys coming in hungry, guys knowing, I mean, there's not a, a pitcher on that staff that can't improve in some area. So we find that area and make sure they're working on it. Um, again, so that just limits the complacency in the game, and, and hopefully that, that keeps us from, from having any type of setbacks. Yeah. Pete, listen, you've been really generous with your time and, uh, as always, really insightful with your comments. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate this, man. Uh, have, have a great spring, and uh, go get him. Yeah, good luck. Great stuff, Petey. You got it. Great talking to you guys. Thank Be you well. Guys. Thanks, buddy. Pete Walker, pitching coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. And, again, uh, Thursday is the date for pitchers and catchers workouts. You know, it was interesting hearing Pete talk about um, and 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 optimistically about Alec Manoa. Look, I, I can't say this enough. If Alec Manoa is anything like the dude we saw two years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, to borrow a phrase, you're you're pretty, you know, you use a lot. I mean, now you're cooking with gravy. Yeah, you go through that rotation. Uh, I mean, if you can start the year with Alec Manoa as your fourth starter or something like that, that's. Uh, you're you're in a you're yeah, in a pretty good place. Just taking it from a player, you know, a lot of players go through ups and downs. I, I don't think going through what he went through, not a lot of players go through something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, he fell off a cliff 
Uh, let's be honest. Let's call it like it was. Conditioning, mechanically, velocity, everything yeah. that would make a good pitcher that made him the good pitcher before, he fell off and a cliff with. For me, he's the one guy. We talk about Vladdy all the time. For me, Manoa just sort of taking the reins, being quiet. You know, I don't want to say under the radar because, uh, you know, I don't think he can be under the radar because of just how he acts around the, on the mound, around the mound, and, you know, when he's out there, which is nothing wrong with that. But I just think taking the ball every five days, even in spring training, I don't want to see his best stuff out the gate. Yeah. And that, for me, is a big deal. And, again, that player part of it where he's got his one mulligan. I don't think he'll get another one. You know, and it, hearing you say that, I think what made last year even more dramatic is the word I'm going to use is the fact that I don't think we expected what we got from him the year before, right? In other words, it was this type of a rise, then bang, right off a cliff. Yeah. A little different if, you know, two years down, if there was a gradual buildup, if the guy was okay and then better th- second year, wow, real good third year. Okay, fourth year, he's got a boy, there's an issue. It's different when you got a track record as opposed to simply one terrific year and then fall off. And I admit, I think I'm one of those people. I think when that happens, it's human nature that you 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 just jump ship. You just jump ship. And, you know, it's funny as Pete was talking, I was kind of scrolling through some of the MLB.com, you know, and this is a reminder. It is spring training. Guys are just showing up. You heard Pete say he hasn't seen Yariel Rodriguez in person. Justin Verlander showed up today, uh, uh, today, walks into the Astros camp, tells the Astros, hey, I'm a couple of weeks behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens uh, with pitchers. You know, you need to wait until guys get in until you actually see them. So, uh, but man, that's, uh, boy, that that's, uh, that's certainly, yeah, think, that's certainly optimistic news. Yeah, with our point, though, Rodriguez can be a couple of weeks behind. Yeah. Manoa can't be no like that that's the one thing right and i just don't know what the expectations are i don't know that's why i asked Petey about that what what should a fan be looking for i have no idea i don't think anybody does um spring training is a unique time of year you know we've often talked about how romantic it can be and all that stuff i mean i i think there's still a certain romance to it but bottom line is for everybody for every player regardless of where they are in their career it's a business so what exactly does spring training mean to players? Well, I've got somebody sitting across from me who's gone through it on multiple occasions. We're going to take a break and come back, and Kevin Barker is going to tell me a little bit about spring training. Everything, meals, uniforms. He's going to tell us a hotel story you won't want to miss. It's Blair and Barker, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Well, thank goodness it's finally here. The Blue Jays, uh, uh, let's start all over Boy, again. Boy, that's a it's good not finally here. That's why you get the big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Coming down uh, in three, two, one. Hey, Barker, do you hear that sound? What is that, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Coming down in three, two, one. Hey, Parker, do you hear that sound? Well, I don't know, Jeff. What is that? <laughs> That's the first day of pitchers and catchers workouts in Dunedin, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, starting, I guess, officially starting spring training workouts on Thursday with pitchers and catchers working out. The full squad will report on the 20th. 
And uh, I mean, that used to mean something. I mean, it used to be that there were dates, right? There was a day where everybody would report, which basically means you have to show up, get your medicals, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have your first workouts. And now, I mean, gosh, guys have, a lot of these guys have spent probably a month already at the minor league complex. So the whole, the whole notion of what date matters and what date doesn't matter kind of kind of goes out kind of goes out the window. But I mean, the twentieth is a big day. It is first full squad workouts, and then and then they get right into it with 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 games. On like the twenty fourth, I think they play the Phillies. Um, so it's not like it used to be, right? You show up at spring training, have two weeks maybe before the first game. Yeah, well, this goes to show you that I think you know everything that they do before the game starts is eyewash. Like it, it's it's the the you know most of the players that matter, especially with the Blue Jays, are at that complex almost all year. They just go and play a season for six months, <laughs> and then they move back home. That is and true. And they're going to that complex, and and you know, look, it's it, it is what it is. I. I don't know how much you read into this. I know this this team obviously is a veteran team. How do you keep them healthy? Like yeah. most most of the guys in that rotation, other than Alec Manoa, you know, have been around a little while. And how do you how do you work through that? How do you make sure because if they don't go, Jeff, because of what they haven't added to their lineup, there's going to be some there's going to be some going backwards here. So it is a big, you know, it is a big spring training for me just keeping the guys that matter. We know the big 3 in the rotation and we know Alec Bano and you we know you say Kikuchi and you know what they don't have when it comes to the quality of depth. They have a little depth, but it ain't, you know, always the the amount of quality that I think you would expect. So it is a big deal for Pete Walker and all the khakis to get together and try <laughs> and figure out, you know. It took you a long time to mention much. the khakis. Don't stretch that much, you know. Don't be long tossing too much. We need you when it matters the most. So that'll be the intriguing part well, of this, just to see how they work through it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, it was uh, – you know, following in social media, today's Wednesday, and following in social media, uh, some of the writers in other in other camps, the Red Sox writers, first full day of pitchers and catchers today, and they already have bullpen sessions scheduled. You know, so-and-so <laughs> is facing live hitters and all that. Yeah. And again, that used to be that uh, that didn't ha- I mean, it depended on how far along every, every pitcher was, but it certainly, I, I remember... First full day of workouts was uh, of pitchers and catchers workouts were just kind of guys getting used to each other and guys getting loose and maybe a few guys throw a bullpen. You never saw live live batters or dead batters for that result uh, <laughs> early in early in spring training. I mean, I don't even know what that means, but I was well, you the saw guy. The Blue Jays you know, last year a couple it, of times. It, so. <laughs> It was ne- it was never the the everyday guys this early in spring training that would be standing yeah. in against bullpen arms. It was the guys like yours truly <laughs> that would stand in and you know I, I can Parker remember, Field Four Parker Field I, Four. I, I can remember standing in against Roy Holiday and he's raring and ready to go. He's in game one shape. Like he's spinning that thing, he's moving my feet, and I'm looking back at Gibby, going, "What's going on here?" And you, everybody just shakes their heads, like you got to deal with it. You know who's on the mound. So, yeah, I, I think again, this is sort of where the Jays are at. It is like go time when the bell rings. You got to be raring and ready to go, and it's just a tribute to everything that I think who they are, the facility that they built, and just who lives there, and and how good a shape they're in, and. 
I look, you said, look, I, I've said this to you on, on podcasts before. Their schedule out the gate's not the easiest of schedules. Well, like, they got to hit the ground running. Like, I mean, the, they, the, the, the J schedule, they've got games well, on the road. Well, they're getting the Rays be- and the Astros out the gate. Like, you gotta, you got to show a little. The J schedule is, uh, well, I mean, the, the, the way the schedule's done now with, with uh, something more, more resembling a balanced schedule, everybody's schedule's tougher than it used to be. I mean, it just is. Everybody's schedule is tougher than it used to be. But uh, in the Jays' case, you do make a good point. Because of the renovations at the Rogers Center, they are they are starting on the road uh, uh, in in Tampa yeah. and then against but Houston. But big picture is other teams didn't go 21 and 31 in their division last year and need to hit the ground running here a little bit. Like, they need to. Well, the good news you know, is the Jays might, have they, a lot they, of games outside their division early. Now they got Houston. They got, uh, they got Seattle. Well, they, they start with the Rays, which is not always the easiest thing. Obviously, they got a better Yankees <laughs> team. Like, they're going to have to, Rays you know, stick out their chest. <laughs> How, how, how do you sleep at night? Just coming up with these things off the wall because the Rays aren't going to be as good this year. I, 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 you know me. I, Mr. I believe it when I see I'm it. Mr. Rays, right? I'm Mr. Yeah, Rays up. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mr. Rays up. Well, you used to be. Well, I still, I still am kind of Mr. Rays. I don't think the Rays are going to be as, as good this year as they were last year. And then, anyhow, we can't talk. We got lots, lots of time to talk about. That. I want to talk about the real important stuff right now. The story that has been dominating spring training from Arizona to Florida. The only thing anybody's talking about on social media, the only thing the players are talking about, Kevin, of course, I'm talking about the uniforms. Nobody seems to be happy with the new, what are they called? Nike vapor something uniforms. They're basically supposed to make uh, Vladdy faster uh, is basically what these jerseys are supposed to do. They're supposed to fit better. Now, a lot of players are unhappy, one with the fit, one with the feel. A lot of people looked at these jerseys and said, "Eh, they look kind of cheap. Uh, you know, it seems as if a lot of the the embossing and all this stuff has kind of has kind of gone away. Look, to me, the only thing I noticed in the jerseys I've seen so far is that the names in the back are a little smaller, and 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 maybe they look a little different. All that aside, talk to me about what it's like. No, to show up at spring training, mm-hmm. and you got nice, fresh. New jerseys. Talk to me about this. Yeah, well, There's still something there, right? There's got to yeah, be something about I, that. I will say the first time I showed up spring training as a Blue Jay, I had a three-digit number. And you I, did not I, had, a, you, I had to raise my hand you to had go. A, what number was uh, it? It was 100. No, it was not. And I had to raise my hand to go. Absolutely. And say this is like, yeah, because that's I was in that tier of the 80s, the 90s. believe that. Absolutely. You can can believe what you want. And I I never wore it, but absolutely is in my locker. That's that's the way it is, right? When when especially when I played now, it's different now because you know it's feelings. Like you gotta See, make sure. If it sure was ninety nine, you could go that guys, you're kind of styling, but a hundred well, oh, I don't the, believe the younger that. the younger guys, right? You gotta make sure they're not crying and you know, they're all happy when they come to spring training, knowing they ain't gonna make a team anyway, especially with the blue jays. So yeah, that was Look, the, the jerseys, obviously, at the big league level are way better. The minor leagues, you're buying your own pants. I mean, you want them to are fit you, okay. nice? Absolutely. This like, is, what, like okay, I this go is where I want to go. I go from big league camp to minor league camp. The, basically, in minor league camp, you can expect just to be wearing somebody else's pants. Like, that. Oof. that's the way it is, right? It's a trickle-down effect. Like, you know, the, the, down uh, yeah, somebody the year else's before, pants this is, is kind the way a, they were wearing them. Conflicting and, image and in mind. Enjoy this. So, yeah. yeah, it's obviously you want to be in the big leagues as long as you can possibly be, and and that's sort of the, the, the whole point of it. But 
All right, well, tell me. Everything's nicer because you're making it a lot more money, and they put a lot more into how you look and the way they want you to look. All right, so what do you have to do with your jersey when you show up? Like, do you put it on? Do you have to get the pants taken? I'm just – look, those of us who weren't – have never reported to spring training, walk me through getting your jersey – uh, do you have to get the pants tailored? No, the club I mean, how it... would always call a week or two before, ask you what size you are. You know, you're 38, 34. Like, you want them longer. Are mm-hmm. you a, Are you a guy that likes the shorter pants? Like, they'll call, ask you, you know, do you, whatever your size is when it comes to a jersey. I was, just, I wanted a little bit bigger. I wanted free and easy. You know, sometimes I would cut the sleeve yep. because I would, I was a letting it eat guy. I had to show up in pressing. I wasn't, there was no walking into this thing, getting your feet wet. No, I was running. Like I, I was trying to impress because I didn't want to go to the minor leagues anymore. Why do you think I played winter ball up to like two weeks before spring training started? Like yeah. I had a long swing. I wanted my swing to be short and quick. I wanted driving down and through it. You know, I, was that guy so yeah it's the the the, everything that should be fitting the way it's supposed to be fitting they have it all lined up in your locker you know you you joke about the size of the number it's no joke you you sort of when you show up you your your jersey number sort of dictates who they think you are no honestly that and how much chance you got of making a team we always talk about we always that any way you want to we always talk about fact we always talk about grapefruit league games you get to the eighth inning here comes number 83 out of the bullpen pitching to number 89 you think i joke about the three ditch number it's absolutely a fact it's not you did not wear number 100 now now i did know aj burnett before that and there was some jokes going on about the three digit number and who you're giving it to okay now i can not see. saying I'm wearing it, and I was the one raising my hand, yelling and screaming about the size of it, and I still think it was in the 60s. So, you know, it's okay. no, so well, that, now that I know that A.J. Burnett may have had a hand in that's it, that the thing. Sense. That's the thing is, is there's a lot of pressure on new guys when they show up because of the size of your number. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. And let's be honest, there ain't a lot of room for wiggle here when it comes to who's making teams right. for the Blue Jays. Okay, let me, let me. I ain't going to be too many surprises is my point. Okay, so let, let me ask you this. Um, and I understand this depends on on the personality of the individual and the player. New guy goes into a clubhouse. Better to blend in or better to right away kind of you know, define mark, blend mark in. Your, define blend just in. Just kind of go about your business and you know not say too much and just kind of or I, I again I understand it depends on the person. A guy like Justin Turner comes in there's going to be a certain way he's going to approach things. A guy comes in who's a minor league free agent, he's going to approach it differently. But mm-hmm. but um well, kind of give us, kind of give us a guide to how you should go about doing it right. Yeah, First think, day of spring, how do you go about doing this right? I think it's very individual. Obviously, nowadays, for the most part, when you're going to a really good team, most people know who you are. That's why you're right. there, right? <laughs> they 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 know Justin Turner before Justin Turner ever shows up. Sure. Like it, it ain't like he's walking up to dudes and introducing himself. He might occasionally to a bullpen guy, but most of the everyday dudes know who Justin Turner is. So it's just right. What group do you want to hit in? Who do you want to hit with in spring training? You know, it's similar swings. I would think we're mm-hmm. seeing Blatty and Turner hitting in the same group. Well, I mean, we had him on our podcast. He's talking about over swinging too. Right. All right, he's thinking about hitting the. 500-foot homer when he don't have to. If you're anybody that matters when it comes to running that team, you're thinking to yourself, maybe we should group them two dudes together. Conversations would be great. So, me, I'm on field nine 
with nobody ever watching. Like it's, and the and the conversations may be a little different, right? I may be not buddy buddy with everybody, mm-hmm. right? I'm, you well, know, you're I, trying well, to beat out the same number. Or you're trying to beat to a me. guy for a job. Absolutely, I'm not asking you. Hey, you want to go to dinner? No, absolutely not. I don't want to go to dinner. I'm here to step on your neck, and the sooner you know that, realize that, the the better we'll get on you sound with like our a life. Great here. teammate. Hey, look. It's cutthroat. You make zero money in the minor leagues. Everything smells worse in the minor <laughs> leagues. That includes your your underwear, your socks, yeah, okay. your pay, your pants that you wear. It's just nothing's cool about that. Yeah. And if you gotta basically, you know, not without saying sort of that I don't like what we're going through here and it's me against you. And again, it's about the team you're going to. Right. What was now you broke in with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Uh, I was their top dog you, in the you minor were, leagues. But what was the first What was the first spring with the new team for you? I was scared. Like, I'm, I'll be no, honest. But I, no, I mean, yeah, like, I now you're at a well, – where did you go uh, – I'm sorry. Where did you go after Milwaukee? I went to the Padres. So your next spring training would have been with the Padres. It would have been with the Padres. What yeah. was that like? Uh, because was, now well, you're now you're the new guy. You're yeah. you know you were this other organization's prospect. Now you're probably in San Diego, and their prospects are looking at this guy and going, oh, "Here's another guy coming." Yeah, in from I wasn't a prospect anymore when I was at the Padres. Okay. You know, the first six years I was at the Brewers. You know, the first four and a half of those I was the top prospect, and then the P went uh, you know away from my name, right. and I I was just another number. Right? It was, and then you get traded to a team and trying to prove yourself all over again, and mm-hmm. and it's. You know, again, I, you got to go in there and do some things, right? It's, it's, you know, when I went to the Reds, I'm having Hall of Fame catchers tell me, oh, you're the guy with the long swing. Didn't have any <laughs> idea what my name was, but knew I was the guy with the long yeah. swing. And this is sort of what you're up against is, you yeah. know, you're trying to prove to everybody that you can be a big leaguer. You can contribute to a team and bring something. And it's not always the easiest thing. Spring training, this is why I say it's eyewash. Like, they already got their mind made up how sure. they feel about you. It's a rare case. Do you, think guys, do you think guys, do you think it's easier for a pitcher to win a spot in spring training I would certainly than it think, is a position player? I would player? certainly think so. Absolutely. Most of the good teams already have their everyday guys lined up. It's like no. the Blue Jays. Blue Jays got one spot up. That's a 26 guy, right? I mean, you, it, can that guy be a lefty off the bench? It's... Sort of, what is it? Is it a fast guy that's a fourth outfielder who can play center? That's sort of where they're at, right? I mean, the number five starter in their rotation, I would assume, is sort of taken care of. So there's not a lot of wiggle room there. It's look, spring training's no fun for anybody. I mean, everybody likes to think it is, and it's vacation, and you know, it's warmer probably than where most people live. But it ain't no fun. You've been to spring trainings. It's, it ain't no it, fun. It does and, get old. And you add it to, it to trying to make a team. And nowadays, right, it's all about the velocity. And I would think mm. you can impress quicker by if I bring a guy in and that dude right out the gates hitting three digits. Yeah. Oh, and if you're Pete Walker, you go, oh, now all of a sudden <clears> I can add a little trickery to that and maybe steal a strike with a breaking ball and I can teach him that. I probably had this short period of time can't teach him how to throw three digits. So these sort of eyebrows go up to all of a sudden now this guy has jumped in front of 
the other guys that we may be think competing against him when it comes to an offensive player, they actually got to see him in live action. Like you got to do this game after right. game after game after game. And how hard is that to do? I mean, most of them dudes are sitting over there for three hours and they get that chance against a minor leaguer who's overthrowing, who's all over the place, and you're trying to impress. So it's spring training could be shorter. Let's put it to you that way. Like it's uh it's no people fun for a lot talk, of people. People have always and it's talked never be that, that way because you know most of this, most of those little cities are trying to make as much money yeah. as they can, and there's nothing against that. Well, but at some point, player, at some point, spring training became business for a lot of those cities absolutely. in terms of tourism. Well, sure, in terms of tourism, paying for ballparks. Uh, and, and things of that nature. But yeah, it's, um, I often find myself this time thinking about sort of the first spring training I went to, which was in West Palm Beach, uh, covering the Montreal Expos. They shared a facility with the Atlanta Braves. They shared a stadium with the Atlanta, with the Atlanta Braves in West Palm Beach. It was an awful stadium. Uh, and the Jays had their minor league complex someplace else. I think the Braves had their minor league complex there as well. But I mean, it was really, it, it was, it was really different. There was more of a gradual, uh, almost like a, a welcoming, right? You'd show up a couple of days early, guys would come in back then. You pretty much had access to players as soon as you wanted to have access mm-hmm. to them. Now you have to wait until there's it, things are official. See, I was one of those guys um, that never could show up a couple of weeks early. I couldn't afford that. Like no, it, it, I, you know, where, where, where yeah, I, I believe I've, that. I've, I've, say I have a home in Denver, and now I'm trying to pay for my home in Denver and also rent an apartment spring training. It just didn't make any sense to me. So I'd rather have the extra week and a half Absolutely. of working out and, and, you know, coming from winter ball because, you know me, I loved it. Like and I, people I need to, to remember. prolong that as far as I could because now, my swing was on point and it would help me impress a little bit quicker in a big league spring training. And people need to remember. Players' contracts don't kick in in spring training. They kick in in the regular season. Yeah, so, this gets back to my point about it. It's all about the organization you go to, excuse me, the organization you go to and where they're at as an organization. They used to have team hotels. Like, I, I remember that the the um, the Expos, again, the Expos used to have their minor leaguers at a very one hotel, and they'd have the major leaguers oh, yeah. at a much better hotel. Okay, I, I'll give you a quick story about that. I, I got sent down when I was when I was dating my wife now, and I got sent down, and I was in big league, uh, a big league hotel when I was in big league camp, and then I got sent down, and I was in a minor league uh, hotel. The minor league hotel was uh, had so many bugs in it that I had asked my wife to come and stay with me for a couple of nights, and she would not do it because of how bad the room was. That's the difference. Yeah. So oh, I, I believe so it. I'm not... say, it. It's it's now it may have changed since the time that I, but I would say not. It, no ownership is going to put up money for minor leaguers because most minor leaguers don't become big leaguers. So mm. why would they, why would ownership invest in all of that when they're spending so much money on big league teams? They just don't do it. Yeah. So to say that everything is when you're a, on the fringe guy, you know, sort of, you're trying to hit the ground running and press. And let me be honest with you. Most of the time it doesn't work that way because most of the managers, GMs have their mind made up already. Yeah, no, it is a, uh, it, it, it really is. There is a pecking order when when everybody says professional sports is a business, and we all get that. But I have to tell you, when you go to spring training and 
you really see, and I'm talking about as a reporter, when you go to spring training, that's when I first realized, okay, this is a business. Because literally, there's a group over here that nobody gives nobody gives a rat's ass about. Yep. Their their lunch is seriously soup, apple, and sandwich. Yep. That's that was the lunch guys got in the minor leagues. Yep. Soup, apple, and sandwich on the field in a little sort of cabana out in the field. The um, lunchroom is your point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's under a tent. But yeah, exactly, uh, yeah, uh, things are different now. But there's still a you know there's still that stratification. There are, you got big dogs. You got the alpha guys, and then you got then you got it. You got everybody else, and um, yeah, it's uh, there's so many layers to it. You know, guys getting called up uh, to play on the road, and 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 just things like that. There's um, see now again, it gets back to that Arizona. You get called up, it's 15 minute fl- yeah. drive, right? You get called up to go in Florida, it's two and a half hours. Yeah, that like that's the, right. No, no, most of the time. Everyday guy two and a half wants hours. to go on a two and a half hour trip. <laughs> two and a half hours. Just don't want to do that. Two and a half hours as the crow flies. Five and a half hours as the bus drives. Yeah, you think you think about that player Florida. that's on the fringe or just got called up trying to impress. It's almost impossible riding these buses yep. and and you're stiff and I mean it just, you just it's just not a good situation. It's a, again. I mean everybody thinks it's roses and you can't wait to go spring training. If you're one of those players, and I was one of those players. Yeah, it, it's I not all margaritas, I'll, hot dogs, and sunshine. I was one of those persons that dreaded it. I couldn't wait till it was over. Very quickly, Arizona, Florida. Where'd you prefer spring training? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Just the the distance between places you play ruined Florida. And the weather in Arizona this time of the year is off the charts, second to none. Yeah. Give me Arizona every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So there you go. Kevin Barker giving you a, a first-hand look at spring training. Hey, a reminder that we'll be back on Sportsnet 590, the fan and on TV next Tuesday. That's the 20th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. That will be our time slot until uh, the regular season games start going, uh, which is sometime. Uh, I get the, well, it's a third week of March. And, and at that point we'll, uh, we'll shift the two to four Eastern time. Uh, if you depend on getting us via podcast, fear not, whatever the time slot will be dropping a pod usually within half an hour to 45 minutes after the end of the show. And as always, the back leg line is open, 416-413-3959, and uh, we'll be using it on a more regular basis this season. So we look forward to seeing you then. And until then, have a great weekend.